0: you've got your Bible, I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 16. That's going to be my first passage that we do today. It's starting in verse 10, so you better turn there quick because I'm going for it. And it says, he who is faithful in what is the least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to trust To your trust, the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Five years ago, I started pastoring as a lead pastor. I'd been a youth pastor for 17 years. I'd worked for our denomination. And I was just trying to figure out what was next. I never thought I would be a pastor for adults. I just didn't. I thought I was going to be the guy who went till I was 68 and retire as the world's oldest youth pastor. Um, contact the Guinness people, get my picture in the book, and that would be that. Um, I never wanted to be in charge. I liked when there was real trouble, it fell on somebody else, and if there was a mess to clean up, most of the time I had to go clean up the mess, but somebody else was in charge at the end of the day. If you know me at all, I hate dealing with things like finances. I don't care. Just give more money so I can do more things. That's how I see it. Just keep giving. We'll keep doing. I hate dealing with a lot of those things. And yet, I distinctly remember in 2012, my wife and I having a conversation. And she said, it's time for us to get back into a healthy church. It doesn't have to be big. But our kids have to see that the church isn't always dysfunctional. Because for the previous... I don't know, probably a good long time, I'd been an interim pastor. And these churches that I would interim pastor in, they were good people, but there was some reason that their pastor had been removed. And so sometimes there were financial situations, sometimes there were health situations, sometimes but typically when I would get there, it would be this small little handful of people. And I discovered something in that process. I'm more of a builder than I am a maintainer. Because I was pretty good at building something, but then what do I do with it now? Oh, quick, you take it now. Somebody else comes in, they'll be the permanent pastor. But Tracy said, maybe it's time for us to to change that and put down roots. And as I was growing as a person, she was trying to help me understand what that looked like. And um, so we sent out letters to across the country to about six or seven different states and said hey, I think I'm ready to pastor. And pretty much they end up on a stack of resumes that go, yep, you and all these other people. And one person was crazy enough to call me and said, well, I've got a terrible situation, but it has great potential. And we thought about it and prayed about it and said, nope. And here's the problem with saying nope to the bishop as a district supervisor, but he functions in the role of a bishop. Once you tell him no, It's not that he's mad at you, it's just like, like I said, there's a big old stack of resumes, yours goes to the bottom, you'll never come back up. And I remember thinking, well, I've closed off that entire state, and we will not be offered anything else in Washington, but the situation they offered us wasn't the right one. And five months later, four months later, he calls again and says, hey, I have this small church in Des Moines, Washington. It's small, but there's no major problems, and I see good potential. Here's the list, kind of a quick list of pros and a quick list of cons. And he gave me some of both and said, would you come and take a look at it? And I was like, I don't know. I've never even heard of Des Moines, Washington. And so my first question is, or the first thing I did is I get out the Google and I start looking at the map and going, where is this? And my thought was, well, it's close to the airport, which holds some promise. We can get in and out of town quick if we need to. (laughs) Hey, when you're going to go across the country and try to figure this out, and uh, we came out in February of 2013, and Tracy and I came, and we spent three days, and I walked around the grounds, and I looked at that building and thought, this could use some work. Not like the building itself, but like, this is going to take, like, it's tiny. If you've never been to our other campus, it's quaint, is what I like to say. but there was something about it. And we went home and we met with the, the church council and they said, the district supervisor said, you take two weeks to think about it and you guys take two weeks to think about it and then we'll reconnect. And four weeks later, Tracy said, should we contact somebody? Because nobody's called us. We took our two weeks and then now we've taken an extra two. And I called and I said, hey, um, not sure if this is your way of saying no. He's like, no, I was just waiting for you to call. They called me back like two days later and said they wanted you. I was like, thanks for the heads up. (laughs) And so they only needed to take 48 hours. We only needed really about a week. And we talked about, we thought it was good. The one thing I told Tracy is, I don't want to screw up what they got going on now. I don't know what I'm doing. And so in April of 2013, five years ago this weekend, I showed up here and It's been a good five years. I want to say long, but it's actually gone incredibly quick for us. Over the past five years, some of you guys can relate to this, some of you can't, because I've only been with some of you two or three years, and some of you maybe only a few months, but we've experienced a new location, new friends. We've merged merged two churches into one, and that was hard on some people. We've been given fresh ministry opportunities that I really believe are directed by God. We've been able to partner with things that are currently existing that I believe that God has allowed us as a congregation to do. There's been some highs over that five years. We've had baptisms. Just over the past year, we've had 13 people get baptized. We saw 12 people respond to an invitation, a specific, hey, do you want to start a journey of faith with with Jesus? I've had 12 people in the past year respond to that. We've eaten meals together. We've laughed. We've had conversations. We've had times of grieving and times of celebration. But all of that is part of being a community. Community isn't just the fun times, community is the hard times. We've gathered together to work on improving our building. And in the past year, we've put $25,000 into improving our building. Because you guys have been generous and you guys saw that there was something valuable in making this place more acceptable and nicer and just updating and freshening it for when people come and join us. I always say our own house, typically we don't make our own house look nice for us. You make your own house look nice so that when other people come, they feel like welcome guests. That's how I've always viewed the church. The church is not for those of us who are already connected and say, this is our church, we're members, I'm glad you're here but it's our role to now let the rest of the world know that there's something that exists for them. There's been some lows in that five years. People have moved on. But I've always had the analogy of a river. And that is this. It's not my job to build a dam to stop the people from going on. If you build a dam, eventually you stop water flow, and it's not healthy. Now, if you get too low, then you become a mud pit, and we don't want to do that. If we stop having people come in or people go out, then you become a cesspool because it just sits there. So we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. Do I want people to come in and feel touched and connected by God? Absolutely. Do I hate to lose people? Yep, breaks my heart. But I know that I can only, as a pastor, take people so far, and sometimes God calls people away, and sometimes I just make people mad or I hurt their feelings, and that happens, and I'm sorry, but that happens, and they've got to move on. But the Holy Spirit is a river, and he's always flowing. And if we're open to it, he's going to continue to bring new people in. And we can learn and grow from them, but we can also help and develop them. And by that same token, God's going to look, and he's going to see people, and he's going to say, I need to take them on so that they can take what they've gained and what they've learned here and take it to another place. And there's two types of people when they leave. There's those who are leaving because they're going to something, and those who are leaving because they're running from something. The ones that are running from something, it always breaks my heart. The ones that are going to take a ministry somewhere else, that excites me. So some people have moved on. Sometimes I fail to do things with excellence. It's not perfection I look for. But when I'm all done, I want Jesus to be able to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so sometimes I make I hurt people's feelings or I make people upset because I go, no, we're not doing that. That's not, because we can't do everything. And so if we can't do something with excellence, let's stop just doing things to do things. And so there's sometimes I've even said no to ministries and it's not that they're not good ministries. It's that we're maxed out in that or we can't take something else on or this is it for us. And that doesn't mean it won't come up at a later time or a later date. Five years ago, when I first showed up, There was a prayer ministry, and it stopped shortly after I got to Des Moines to that church. And as we were combining churches with Evergreen and LifePoint, the most exciting thing about it to me was as I was listing things we were going to do was the prayer ministry that was here. Because we were going to be able to take something that was good and established and make it even better. And we were going to do that by taking those who already knew that. And now I go in, and I remember Sunday mornings for a while when I would come. There'd be one or two people. And now sometimes there's five or six or seven people in pre-service prayer. There were eight or nine people up here. seven, Seven people up here today to pray for you guys. That's exciting to me. Don't miss the opportunity to be prayed for. And don't think it's a special club. We're telling you today, if you're willing, go to their meeting. They would love to do a long training. I won't let them. I'm like, here, here's what you get to do. You get to do these and these and these. But we're not doing a long training because it's got to be approachable and accept. And anybody can be a part of it that wants to be a part of it. There's a few guidelines they're going to give you, a few helpful hints, a few things they're going to say, don't be weird. It's one of my number one rules when we do things. Don't be weird. But in my, in my desire to do everything with excellence, sometimes I fail. Sometimes I've missed opportunities to minister. I certainly don't claim I've never missed them. Sometimes it's because of the busyness of life. But I'm telling you right now, I am never too busy to sit down with you. We may have to put it on a calendar, and it may not happen today or tomorrow, but I am never too busy for you. And I never will be. I don't care how many people we have. I will never be too busy for you. Because my job is not to be up here and speak. My job is not to make sure that our reports are filed on time. My job is not to make sure that we do this and this and we look a certain way. My job is one thing, and that is to connect with people as Jesus would have connected with people. Part of what I do is I get to speak. But I tell young pastors or people who want to go into ministry, this is the least important thing that happens even on Sunday morning. Because what's most important is that you connect with one another. Because in your relationships of connecting with one another, that's where you're going to find your prayer support. That's where you're going to find your encouragement. That's the people that are going to be able to come and see you when you're in the hospital or when your child's been in a car accident or when you're in dire need. Those people on your left and your right, the relationships that you're building, that's why we come together. If it was literally just hearing a message from me, I could record it in my office on my son's thing, post it to his vlog, and say, please like and subscribe. And that's all you'd have to do. But I say, come here because we need one another. Because you cannot know God outside of community. And I desperately want to know God. And I desperately want you to know God. People matter to me. And I am never too busy for you. But sometimes I miss ministry opportunities just because life is busy. And sometimes I miss ministry opportunities because I don't want to be intrusive. Sometimes people aren't here for three or four weeks. And I'm always like, if I call them and they've just been gone, then they're going to feel bad. But if I don't call them and they've been sick, then they're going to be angry. But So I go, you guys may not even know, but I wrestle with this in my mind. Should I send them a text? Should I not send them a text? Should I call and say, let's go to breakfast? And then they're going to think, well, it's because I haven't been there in four weeks and he wants me to bring my tithe check. You laugh, but I've had people show up at a breakfast that I haven't seen in four or five weeks with an envelope and hand me, I'm guessing this is why you called me. What is this? That is never why I would call you. I want you to know that. It is ne- I would not know whether you did or didn't give. For one thing, I do not know who gives or how much you give. In case you didn't know that, it's one of my core values because then I can never be accused. Now, my, I may only hang out with those who, you know, dress a certain way, but I have a certain style to maintain, as you can see. <laughs> but seriously, that is never the situation. If I reach out to you, it's genuinely because I know you haven't been here in a while and I want to make sure you're okay. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not to make you feel shamed. It's not to make you feel like, oh, I better get back there. It's because I love you and I care about you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us this, and this is critical to this message for a reason. I'll tell you why in a minute. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is one of the toughest things, believe it or not, for scholars to dissect. Because you are not saved by works, but you're created, and you are saved for good works. In other words, stop trying to earn your salvation. It's already there. But once it's there, start showing the rest of the world by what you do. And so people will say, Jeff, you, you always have these things you want us to do. Yes! Because part of doing them is helping us become who God created us to be. Part of what we do gives us this thing so that we can show the world that we care. I hate it when the people say, well, the church, all they want is your money. I tell them that's not true. I want your whole stinking life. I want everything you are. I don't just want your money, I want everything you are because I want the rest of the world that's lost and dying and in pain and broken to know that there's hope. It doesn't mean we never experience those things, but it means we don't have to be bound by them. Why do we do Transform Burian? Because I want people to know that we care. You know we collect food and clothing every week. We don't do that because we get god points. We don't do that because somebody might notice and then they'll say how great we are. We do it because there's people in need. And this is a way that we can actively, in some ways, an easy way, that we can help meet that need. You know, we serve once a month, or once every other month we serve on that first Sunday. James talked about it. It's in two weeks. We don't do that because we have to. In fact, sometimes when you go, You go, oh, all the jobs are taken. I don't even need to be here. Yes, you do. You know why you need to be there? Because there's tables full of people. They just want somebody to talk to them. It's the most important job you can do. I know you think like a super little person because then at least you got a job. But the most important job, when I go, and I don't get to go often, but when I go, it's what I typically do is walk around and talk. Hey, how's it going? Tell me something about your life. Who are you? Let me find out. Because I'm there to show them Jesus. And whatever the ministry is, whatever it is we're doing, it's not about being here every week, and yet I value you being here every week. It's about showing that God is doing a work in me, and I am compelled to show the world through my actions. Your works do not lead to your salvation. And if you're trying to earn your way into heaven, you're missing it, because it's free. But also, your works show that you are a changed person, changed by Jesus Christ, created. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's not meant to be condemning. It's meant to be inspiring. So if you were just condemned, change that emotion to inspiration. There's three things you have to realize as a believer. That you have a purpose, that you belong here, and that God has a plan for your life. And here's what many churches get wrong. Many churches think, we're your purpose, you belong to us, and I have a plan for your life. And if you don't believe it, I could tell you stories. But you have a purpose, you belong here. You don't belong to me You belong to this community and God has a plan for your life and there's nothing you can have done in the past or this morning or even what you're actively going through. There's nothing you have done that separates you from that because Jesus' love is so deep for you. He looks and he doesn't let you go. He's not saying life will be easy. He's not saying all will be perfect but he's not letting you go. We are all broken people. We're all broken people desperately in need of a Savior. And don't ever believe that the person who's up front, whether it's me or somebody else, has it all together. Because most of the time, my life isn't in shambles, but it's certainly not pretty. There's a quote from the book Tuesdays with Maury, that I've shared on the anniversary every year that I've been here except for one. I don't know why I didn't that year. I blew it, I guess. But it sums up what I strive to do. Anybody ever read Tuesdays with Maury? It was this book that, I don't know why, but it came out. I read it four times, literally like I finish it, put it away, and like three days later I'd start it again. And it's like 20 years old now. I don't even know how old it is. But it's something about this guy that just goes and sits with this, or this kid that goes and sits with this guy and just learns from him but here's what it said. Devote yourself to loving others. Devote yourself to your community around you. And devote yourself to creating something that gives you purpose and meaning. In everything I do, I have strived to fulfill that, not in the name of Maury, but in the name of who I am in God. I've tried to devote myself to others, devoting myself to my community, And I've tried to create something that gives you purpose and meaning at the same time that can give you purpose and meaning. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect ministry. But we serve a perfect God and he looks at you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. In just a moment we're going to sing a song and we have sing it every year on my anniversary. So if you guys want to that are doing that want to start coming up. This song talks about being broken and I'm going to invite you guys. You're going to get to stand up and sing with us. But one of the things I've done is I've... As our mission statement says, creating a safe place where people can discover God in an environment of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. My desire has been... That you've experienced this somewhere along the way. And any way that you haven't experienced God in this place is my failure, not God's. And anything that you've seen that's good, that's working, that's fruitful, is because God has allowed us to have that. We're all broken people, but we've been given this incredible opportunity to love and to share and to connect for five years that's been my goal is to help you love and share and connect with one another go ahead and stand with me as we sing this and then i've just got a couple more things to say
1: And you take brokenness aside This so is sad. Another caught up in words, tangled in lies. You are a savior, and you take brokenness aside. You make it beautiful, beautiful. Go ahead and grab a seat.
0: That picture is exactly what I see my life as. I'm just broken, just like you. And he looked at me, and for whatever reason, he decided he could make this mess beautiful, because I couldn't do it. I'd just come off of two years of just struggling with heavy depression. At times, I always said I didn't want to commit suicide, but I certainly didn't want to live somehow he took that mess and through some wisdom of a few people that said, we're going to give you a shot. And I shared my story with him. And I said, I didn't hold anything back. I shared every detail of how ugly it got. And somehow, less than 48 hours later, they said, yeah, let's call that guy. What is wrong with them? And then, literally, three years later, Another group said, yeah, we'll give them a chance here too. And I look at the council and I go, man, I'm not sure if you guys were glutton for punishment or if you saw something I didn't, because I didn't see it. But That's the beauty. You don't have to see it. You have to be willing. Are you willing to get up and go and do it? They say it takes five years in ministry before you learn to trust your pastor. Sadly, the average tenure of a pastor is four years, nine months in America. Literally, that's not a joke. Four years, nine months, and it takes five years before you trust a pastor. Though I've been far from perfect, I'm still a flawed man in search of what it means to really know God. It is my hope that you'll start learning to trust me. I have no expectations. You owe me nothing. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to trust me But I hope that through relationship, time, and consistency together, you can learn to trust me so that, not so that you honor me in some different way, but so that together we can impact the world, starting with our community. Thank you for allowing me, however long you've been here, to have the opportunity to speak into your life some of you have only been here a few weeks or a few months and others have been here the whole time i look out and there's faces i saw my very first week as a senior pastor and they're still here and somebody told me if somebody comes back a second week you've already won I'm like, all right i'll take that as a win there's some of you who i was thrust into your world and i was not what you were looking for I wasn't snappy and charismatic and I'm monotone at times and I droned on, but you believed in me, so thank you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. Know that my love for you is unconditional. I fail in a lot of ways, but somewhere along the way I learned to love people for who they are, knowing that God has a plan and purpose for each of us. So it's okay if you're imperfect, because I am too, and we're getting there together. I love you when you're going through difficult times, and I love you when things are good. I love you when you're going through your wedding ceremony, and I love you if you're going through divorce. I love you when you're having your kids, and I love it when we're saying goodbye and sending your kids off to college. I love you because you exist, and you deserve to be loved. Thanks for giving me a chance. Next week, we're back to our series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, I hope that you'll come out for that as well. I know that as we once we hit Mother's Day, I call it the long slide into August. Then we pop back up in September. Um, for those of you who are in town, I hope that you'll continue to come out. Uh, if you're not on my weekly email list, try to get on that. At least you kind of, again... I know, you guys go on vacation, so do I. I want you to go and have a great summer. And when it's sunny, I totally get your need to be outside. Um, But if you're not on the email list, that's really what this is a plug for, not to make anybody shamed. Please don't feel shame. But get on that email list so you know what's going on throughout the summer. We've got a couple of parades we're planning on doing this year. That's right, we're doubling our number of parades. In just 10 short years, if we keep doing that, I don't know how many parades that would equal. But we're doubling it this year. And um, we have camps coming up for kids. We have the mission trip coming up this summer. We have a lot of great and exciting things that are going on here as well. And we'd love for you to be a part of them. My final push for the dessert auction next week. Some youth groups do fundraisers all the time. When I went to San Diego, I told the pastor when he was talking to me about hiring me. The one thing I don't do is fundraisers, he said, "What do you mean?" I said, I don't do them?" He said, "How do you get funds?" And I said, I don't care how we get the funds. I'm not raising them. I hold true to the same thing. We do a fundraiser for camp and we do one for the mission trip. That's so that every month I'm not asking you to buy light bulbs and candy bars and go to some a-thon or some whatever. I do that for your benefit, people. Come out to our dessert auction. Our goal as always is to raise over a hundred bucks a kid. We are down in the number of kids going to camp this year, but I would love to you know, see us still hit our goal of over hundred dollars per kid. And then we have a garage sale in May for the mission trip. That's our mission to Mexico. We've been working with that same orphanage for 16 years. I'm not letting it go now. So if you have stuff to donate, we'll start collecting that the first week of May. And you can make arrangements with me and we'll drop it off directly at our other campus. If you have time to help for two days at a garage sale, pricing stuff, selling stuff, let me know. We'd love to have your help. That's it. Thanks, guys. I love you. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next week.